0: This morning I would invite you to turn with me to Genesis 24. Genesis 24 this morning in your copy of the Scriptures. Genesis 24. Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It may make for the longest sermon from the book of Genesis. There are 67 verses in all. In my Bible they span three different pages of text. But... Genesis 24 tells us of a single event, the time in which God provided a wife for Isaac. And as we read Genesis 24, our attention will naturally follow the characters of the story, that is Abraham and Abraham's servant and Isaac and Rebekah. but Genesis 24 is not so much about man, the characters in the story, but rather God's providence in the life of, of man. And So this morning from Genesis 24 I prepared a message titled Abraham and the Providence of Faith. Let me go to the Lord quickly in prayer. God above, we thank you for how you have led your people over the course of human history. We thank you, Lord, for how you have led even us to this point this morning. God, we're so grateful for your providence in our lives. I ask God that you would help us to see it in the pages of Genesis 24 as well in our lives each and every day. God, we depend upon the aid of your Holy Spirit just now as we study the scripture. We pray not just for understanding, but Lord, for conviction, that your spirit might convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that your your spirit might change us in the inner man. And so we commit this study to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Genesis 24 is open before you follow as I begin reading in verse number one. Now Abraham was old well advanced in age and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Abraham is 140 years old. His son Isaac is 40 years old at this time and it is high time for Abraham to find a wife for Isaac and to make arrangements for them to be married. Now, I marvel at the idea of arranged marriages. That is a foreign idea to us here in the West and I am so glad that my parents didn't pick my wife for me. I did way better for myself than my parents could have done. Have you met Kim? She is the best. I did well in choosing for myself a wife. Thank you very much. However, 55% of marriages in our world today are still arranged marriages. In fact, in the country of India, 90% of marriages are arranged in India. At the same time, the divorce rate of those with arranged marriages in India is 13% per 1,000. That's 1.3% of marriages in India end in divorce. Perhaps our western dating game isn't all it's cracked up to be. But at any rate, Abraham purposes to arrange a marriage for his son Isaac. And he does so with with great wisdom. Number one in your notes, the wisdom of Abraham. What was Abraham's wisdom? Abraham's wisdom is that he was careful and cautious about the marriage of his son. The women of Canaan were wicked. The women of Canaan were without a knowledge of the one true living God. Abraham had witnessed his own nephew Lot's daughters take men from Sodom as their husbands and Abraham could not tolerate the thought of his son Isaac being unequally yoked with one who was a pagan idolater. But where could he find a bride for Isaac if not among the peoples in Canaan? So so Abraham thought back to to the far off Nahor where he had been many years before. Evidently Abraham's testimony had borne fruit there and, and those in Nahor knew of Abraham's God. Also, Abraham was, was wise, I believe, in this case in seeking to find a wife for, for Isaac and insisting Isaac not go back to Nahor. God's covenant with Abraham and with Abraham's descendants was to be fulfilled in the land of Canaan. If Isaac went back, he might be inclined to remain back in that place and not settle in the land of, of promise. And so Abraham wisely sent his servant to find a bride for for Isaac and the servant swore an oath and he sealed it with the practice of putting his hand under Abraham's thigh. That of course is a a strange practice for us but there's another occurrence of that hand under the thigh oath in Genesis 47 when Jacob asked Joseph his son to, to do the same promising not to bury him in Egypt but to carry his body back to the promised land. And so Abraham is wise here, the wisdom of, of Abraham, and, and I would say this to, to you as parents, to us as parents, we need to be careful and cautious. We need to be wise about the relationships that we allow our children to enter into, whether it's casual relationships or, or covenant relationships. For as Proverbs repeatedly warns, our companions are critical to our well-being, And it's critical, it's important that our children make good friends. And we know that by God's grace, God will give our our children believing spouses. But Abraham exercised great wisdom here. But beyond the wisdom of Abraham, there's the obedience of the servant. The obedience of the servant in verse number 10, then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of, of Nahor. Now this, the servant here is not named. All we know from verse number 2 is that he was the oldest servant in Abraham's house. Perhaps this was Eleazar of Damascus from Genesis 15 who would have been Abraham's heir before Isaac was born to Abraham and, and Sarah. So perhaps this servant is Eliezer. You might jot that in the margin, but he's unnamed here in, in this place. This man, this servant, perhaps Eliezer, would have been the chief steward, the manager of all that Abraham had. He would have been the chief of staff. He would have been Abraham's right-hand man. He would have been close and loyal to Abraham. And consequently, he was the one entrusted to find a bride for Isaac. And the servant did exactly what Abraham had commanded him. From Hebron to Nahor, the servant would have traveled a considerable journey, perhaps 450 miles north up through the the Jordan Valley, past Damascus, Where if this servant is Eleazar, Eleazar of Damascus, his hometown, and across the fertile crescent of Mesopotamia and all the way crossing the Euphrates River to the city of Nahor here in verse number 10. When the servant comes to this destination he prays in verse 12 and then he proposes a practical test in verses 13 and 14. Look at verse 11. We pick up there. And he made his camel to kneel down outside the city of Nahor by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the a young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have sh- shown kindness to my master. As the woman, women of the city came to, to draw water, he would ask for a drink. And the woman who would draw water for him and his camels, he would identify as the God-chosen one. Now, perhaps it goes without saying, but let me make it clear that this is not to be taken as normative in finding a bride, or for discerning God's will in in any matter of course, but this is what occurred in, in this case, and as I was doing my homework this past week, I, I learned that evidently a camel can drink 30 gallons of water in 10 minutes. We know from verse number 10, according to verse 10, Abraham's servant, maybe Eleazar of Damascus, Abraham's servant had 10 camels to draw 30 gallons of water For 10 camels, that's 300 gallons of water from the well. That would be 65-gallon buckets, if you will, pulling up from the well to feed those camels and then empty those buckets of water into that trough for the, the camels to drink. It would have been no small task. But in fact, one of those women come along, her name is Rebecca in verse 15, and she unknowingly meets the conditions of Abraham's servant. Look at verse 15, and and I'm going to read quickly. I'm going to read here now 10 verses. You keep up with me, verse 15. And it happened. Before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, that's Nahor the man, not the city, Abraham's brother came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. So this isn't even a five-gallon bucket, right? This is a, a, a pitcher. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. That's 10 camels, 30 gallons each in 10 minutes. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for her wrist, weighing 10 shekels of gold, and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. This is unbelievable, folks. This is almost like it, it was meant to be, right? A match made in heaven. We've got to keep reading. Verse 26. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord and said blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master as for me being on the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things folks can you imagine your daughter coming home and and dropping this bomb on you Hey, Mom, Dad, I'm getting married. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I met a man. No, 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 I'm not getting married to that man. I'm getting married to that man's master's son who lives 450 miles away. It's, I, I think he's my first cousin once removed. It's complicated, right? Wow. But folks, this isn't coincidental. This isn't circumstantial. This is providential. Verse 27 again, this is Abraham's servant, perhaps Eliezer of Damascus says, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Folks, verse 27 is really a a key verse in this entire narrative. Being on the way, The Lord led me. And folks, we need to recognize the providence of God in our lives. It's everywhere all the time if we're able to see it. The circumstances of your life are not coincidental. It's not good luck. It's not happenstance. It's not, I'm glad that worked out. But rather, God's hand, providentially working in the affairs, of man. Verse 29, now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring, this is when Laban saw the nose ring and the bracelet on his sister's wrist. And when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, thus the man spoke to me that he, Laban, went to the man and there he stood by the camels at the well and he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and place for the camels Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet with the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. I'm going to call this number three, the selfishness of Laban. The selfishness of Laban. Now, Rebecca's brother is named Laban. Laban is immediately impressed with all of the gifts That the servant has been giving nose rings and bracelets for watering a couple camels, and he wanted to be in on this as well, and so he pours out this hospitality on Abraham's servant. He's feeding the camels, he's washing the the, the men's feet, for if watering the camels was rewarded, Rebecca received all of these gifts, maybe he too could be a beneficiary of this wealthy servant of Abraham's. You say, well, Pastor Matt, that's pretty cynical of you to to interpret it that way. Perhaps it was a hospitable family, and perhaps just as Rebecca was kind, perhaps Rebecca's brother Laban was, was kind. Why do you have to call him selfish Laban? Well, if you cheat ahead to verses 55 and 56, it appears that Laban tried to hinder the notion of Rebecca going to marry Isaac, and we'll be there in just a moment. It, it appears that Laban was an obstacle to this whole matter, only looking for his own personal gain. But then also, we know the name Laban, because Laban reappears later in the book of Genesis when Isaac and Rebecca's son, Jacob goes to Uncle Laban for a bride. And what did Uncle Laban require of Jacob? seven years of service. And then I'll give you the wrong bride. I want seven more years of service for the, for the other. And so I'm going to just call him selfish Laban. But we've got to keep reading. All right. Verse 34 is where we're at. Now, now here's what we have to do, folks. We have to read the, the narrative. I'm going to read from verse 34 to verse 61 are you ready for this? Um, but, but I don't know how to, dis, to otherwise dispense of the reading of the scripture. This, this gives us the, the narrative. Beginning in verse 34, I'll read quickly. So he said, that is Abraham's servant. I am Abraham's servant. Then the, the Lord has blessed my master greatly and has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath... When you arrive among my family for if they will not give her to you then you will be released from my my oath. And this day I came to the well and said O Lord God of my master Abraham if you will now prosper the way in which I go behold I stand by the well of water and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water and I say to her please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink and she says to me drink and I will draw for your camels also let her be the, the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder and she went down to the well and drew water and I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham who led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me and if not tell me that I may return to the right hand or to the left. Then Abraham said, Beth, I'm sorry, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, this thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. We we, we we can't criticize this if what you're claiming is true. Here is Rebecca before you take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words that, the, that he worshiped the Lord bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out the jewelry, silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother and he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all stayed all night then they arose in the morning and he said send me away to my master but her brother Laban and her mother are now having second thoughts. Let the young woman stay with us a few days at least ten after that she may go and he said to them do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way send me away so that I may go to my master so they said we will call this young woman and ask her personally then they called Rebecca and said to her will you go with this man and she said I will go so they sent away Rebecca their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebecca and her maids arose and they rode on the camels and followed the man so the servant took Rebecca and departed. I would title this The Willingness of Rebecca. No doubt Rebecca would have had a hundred reasons why she should say no to the invitation. How do you know that the servant's story is true? How do you know where he is taking you? Rebecca might have reasoned in her own mind, I'm I'm quite happy where I am, thank you very much. I don't want to give up my present lifestyle. I don't want to leave my family. I I don't want to go all the way to, to where is that again now? And what's his name again now? But we don't read of these objections. Rather, there's a willing spirit as she gave her heart to the unseen, unknown Isaac and willingly journeyed back with Abraham's servants to meet Isaac. And so I mused on this a, a bit in my mind and, and although not taken directly from the text, I would imagine that Rebecca wanted to learn of Isaac, the learning of Isaac. And perhaps on the journey, she peppered Abraham's servants with questions. Is Isaac uh, tall, dark, and handsome? Is Isaac good and kind? Does Isaac have a sense of humor? What's he like? Is he a happy man? How old is he? And and all of the dozens of, of natural questions that one would ask in forging a marriage learning of Isaac. But then as she learned of him and that long journey back, I can imagine she began to long for Isaac. I'm so eager to to meet him and her heart began to yearn in anticipation and although she had not yet met him personally, perhaps she felt in her mind's eye as if she, she knew him and she began to love him. Not for the gifts that the servant brought, but she began to to love him and long for him because of the man that he was and, and all that he stood for. And of course, as they drew closer, Rebekah would have been looking for Isaac, looking for Isaac. And we find that beginning, I think, in verse number 62. Now, Isaac came from the way of beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebecca lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself, looking for Isaac, who was waiting for her. And this is the waiting of Isaac. Folks, isn't this just a great Old Testament account? It's, um, a happily ever after story, perhaps. It makes us feel good to read here the conclusion of this story. But, but folks, Genesis 24 is not a Christian romance novel. It's a Bible narrative. And so as we read the scripture, we, we look for principles that we might apply. And uh, we find there perhaps are principles about being a servant I think there are. I think there might be principles about marriage, perhaps principles about finding God's will, and we could speak to all of those issues. But there is something bigger that's happening here in Genesis 24. As we've read more than 60 verses this morning, I I think there's a theological intent to this narrative. You see in your notes that you had before you, I've titled the outline of this chapter focus on Man. Focus on man. Look at the, look at the characters in this story. It's, it's Abraham and Abraham's servant, maybe Eliezer. It's it's Rebecca's brother Laban and, and Rebecca of course and, and Isaac and it's all about the human characters and the human activity, what makes for a, a good story. But I, I don't want us to simply recognize the outline, the focus on man. I, I want us to to note the importance of this, and that is the focus on God. And, folks, threaded throughout this chapter in this account is the providential work of God in preparing for, in preserving, and in perpetuating his covenant promises. You cannot read Genesis 24 and not see the hand of God. Now, we admire Abraham for his wisdom, for his insight and foresight in looking for a bride for Isaac. And we admire the servant for his submission and his obedience and his success in finding a bride for Isaac. And we admire Rebecca for her willingness to leave her family and become a bride for Isaac. But in all of the circumstances of Isaac finding a bride here, the Bible speaks to the hidden causality of God. That is the sovereignty of God working the circumstances for those who are acting in faith. I've titled my message, The the Providence of Faith. For you see, if Isaac had no wife, Isaac would have no children. And yet God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac a multitude of children. Therefore, Abraham didn't need to manipulate or manufacture a situation. He needed to trust God's providence in bringing his prom- promises to fruition. And so it becomes clear to us as we read this account, not focusing on man, the characters of the story, but rather focusing on God and his providence, we find that God is the primary mover and causer of these events. You say, okay, Pastor Matt, this is so typical of you. You're you're always trying to point us to God and give God the credit for everything. Well, then I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that, but look at verse 27. Go back and look at verse 27 again. We read it a moment ago. And Eliezer said, or the, the servant said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And again, as the servant recounted his experience, look at verse 48. Look again at verse number 48. And I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord God and blessed the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for my son. And then the servant's reaction when Rebecca is given permission uh, to return with the servant. Look at verse 52 again. Verse 52. And it came to pass when Abraham's servants heard their words that Rebecca can come with him, that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Folks, w- what's going on here? Abraham's servant is recognizing that God is in this matter. So I want to, with a focus on God, I want to suggest two principles. First, number one, God will guide the faithful, the obedient, the faithful believer God will guide. On one level, the servant was simply doing his job. But when Eliezer was obedient, when he was faithful, God was able to provide divine direction. Verse 27 says, Being on the way, the Lord led me. Let me make this practical for us. Folks, you cannot steer a parked car, you need to be in motion. Perhaps you aren't sure what God has for you tomorrow. Okay, be obedient, be faithful. Who are you gonna marry? I don't know. What job are you gonna take? I don't know. Where should I I move? I don't know. Where should I go to school? I don't know. Many times we fuss over the details of of human life when we simply ought to wait upon God to show us the way as we are in the way, in motion, in motion. Be obedient, be faithful to what God has clearly revealed and trust him for the results. God will guide the obedient, faithful believer. You might add to what I've projected there. If you're in motion, take the next right step of obedience to the Lord and trust him to guide you. Second principle. Number two, God will guarantee the fruition of, or the fulfillment of his promises. Now, don't put your things away because there's an important insight I want to show you. God will guarantee the the fruition or the fulfillment of his promises. In verses 26 and 27 and in verse 52, Abraham's servant worshiped and praised God for success in his mission because the mission was bigger than finding a pretty woman for Isaac. Isaac. The mission was the perpetuation of God's covenant promises to Abraham. And what is happening here is the principle of Kassed. You might have never heard that Hebrew word before, "kased," But it it can be translated favor or grace or loving kindness. And in this case, it refers to the entire history of God's covenantal relationship with Israel and his goodness to Israel in the fulfillment of that covenantal relationship. It is a theme that is most vividly seen in the book of Ruth, but that's not our study this morning. There is, in in this account, in, in Genesis 24... There is no record of a word from God, no miracle, no prophetic oracle. It doesn't even restate the Ab- Abrahamic covenant. Nonetheless, Genesis 24 is the narrative of God's chesed, his, his loving kindness and his faithfulness in providing what he had promised. And I want to show it to you. Your Bibles are still open Abraham's servant prayed in verse number 12. Go back to verse number 12. Abraham prayed, "O oh Lord God of my master Abraham please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Verse 12. That is the Hebrew chesed. The steadfast love is maybe how it's translated in your ESV or loving kindness in the new American standard. God's said. God's the the fulfillment of God's promises, bringing to fruition God's promises is his loving kindness and his steadfast love toward us. Folks, in the journeys of our lives, we often become consumed with the characters of the story. Uncle Laban, well, in this case, Brother Laban, or the servant, Eleazar, or master, Abraham, or the heroine of the story, Rebecca. But don't focus on man and man's circumstance, but see God, see God's hand, see his cassette, his loving kindness and his faithfulness and his steadfast love in fulfilling his promises to us. It's common for us to recognize our good luck or our fortune or our fate or our coincidence. But we would be remiss if we ignored the hand of God. And know that God's hand is good. Through the highs and lows of Abraham's life, through the long journeys that He took. God continually and repeatedly ordained and orchestrated each circumstance to accomplish his promises to Abraham. And he will do the same for us in his providence. Let's pray. God in heaven thank you so much for this Old Testament narrative, this Bible account of your leading Abraham's servant to find a bride for Isaac. Lord, the mission was so much larger than simply getting married, but it was in to accomplish the fulfillment of your covenant promises to Abraham and, and Isaac. God, today, we live in modern times here in the West. Lord, we're consumed by seeing the characters of, of our life story as being the movers and the shakers, the causers of the events of our lives. Lord, may we see beyond that to recognize your providence. Or day by day, may we walk with you and trust you as you lead us. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.